people, what's up? Thank you for checking us out, Real Not Rude. Don't forget that you can find us on Facebook and Twitter under Real Not Rude and on Instagram under Keep It Real Not Rude. Also, we are on all the platforms. Our podcast is on Amazon as well as Audibles. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, and of course, Spotify Podcasts. Please, you guys, follow us on social media, like, share, engage, you know, follow us, please, so that our audience can grow and pass the word. In addition, we also still do our shows where we have the discussions on relationships, friendships, situationships, whatever. And if you would like to be a part of that, definitely shoot us an email. All you need to join is your email address and your name and only your first name or even a nickname. Drop us a discussion that you would like to go over and we will definitely get back to you and let you know if it's something we can include. That's at keepitrealnotrude at gmail.com. Once again, you guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Be safe and check us out. Welcome back, Real Not Rude, back with another episode of When Friends Go Wrong. I just want to tell you from the beginning that the story and the details that happen in the crime are sensitive and a little bit graphic. Also, I was unable to get early life information about the victim or the offender. And I like to give information about the victim because they're not here to tell their story and they had a life before the tragedy. And so it just gives you an idea of who they were as a person. And the offender, I'd like you to know maybe possibly what led up to their crimes, you know, or their choices in life. Now, I was able to get some information from the offender's adult life leading up to the chain of events. So you still would get an idea of her mentality. So the victim's name was Reagan Hancock, and the uh, offender's name is Taylor Parker. So let's get into it. So Taylor had two ex-husbands, Tommy Way Casey and Hunter Parker. And remember both of them because they both play a vital role later on in the story. So Taylor's former OBGYN and the administrator of a woman's clinic where she was a patient said that after she gave birth, to her two children with her first husband, Tommy. She had a tubal ligation in 2014 and then a medically necessary hysterectomy in 2015. So we know that means she could no longer have children. Now, Tommy said that she was very upset about those procedures. And that makes sense. Now your ability to conceive um, has been altered and I'm sure that's very disheartening. That is the only thing that I understand about anything about Taylor Parker throughout all of these chain of events. So it ended up that she divorced Tommy Way Casey or they were divorced. Now, it doesn't say what led up to that, but it is, I'm sure, safe to assume that just like all the rest of her relationships, it was her lying in the seat. So she went on to marry Hunter Parker. Now, Hunter Parker said that she never told them, him that she could not have children after they were married. Instead, she claimed to have a variety of medical problems and even faked having seizures 
to keep their relationship together. So we know that they were having problems, obviously, and she will do anything to keep her relationships going. So her friends, two of them said that after her second marriage, she really wanted desperately to have a daughter, but she said that she couldn't because she was diagnosed with uterine cancer. So she offered both of them 100000 to act as a surrogate, but neither of them was interested. So she went on telling people after that that she miscarried twins. And then she told people that she lost a daughter immediately after giving birth. The, her next story was that she and Hunter successfully hired a surrogate, but that Hunter had cheated on her with the surrogate. Now, let's be clear that this confirmation of him having an affair and the surrogate was only what she said. That was never from him. But what Hunter did say is that she tried to convince him to get a loan so that they could get a surrogate and have their own biological child. But she changed that. She changed it and then she said that her grandmother would pay for the, the surrogacy with cash. And that the money was going to be delivered by a man named Tim Hightower. So now Hunter started receiving text messages from this Tim Hightower. And he also got a picture of a duffel bag full of cash from Tim Hightower. But all of a sudden, Taylor said that Tim got into an accident on his way to deliver the money. And that the first responders stole the money. And he did not believe her. And at this point, he had enough. In between all the other lies, the fake seizures and everything else, the money, the being stolen, and just everything, he was done. So he, too, got away from her. They separated in April of 2019. Now, according to Hunter, it was just a few weeks later when she got with Wade Griffin. Now, immediately, Wade Griffin's mother and his sister-in-law did not care for her. And as a matter of fact, Everyone in Wade's life sensed that there was something not right with Taylor and they were not into her. So at this point, she started to develop two overlapping schemes to keep Wade in her life. Okay, so and this is in addition to the fake pregnancy. So one of the schemes was she was an heiress to enough money to buy a 4.5 million walnut farm for the couple, okay? So she even had a real estate agent involved with this. And then she said that after that, her mother stole her inheritance and then hired a hitman to kill her and Wade. So then she told people that she hired her own private detective, and that's what foiled the plan of the hitman. Now, Wade, even if he believed everything else that this psychopath told him, I would just think that if you knew somebody was trying to kill you, if you believe that at least, that you would try to get away at that point. But no. So that scheme started to fall through. So the real estate deal ended, that never really was anyway, but ended in 2019. So now she moved on to the next scheme, and this is when she announced she was pregnant. Now, it's around this time that she started making, you know, 
She came up with sonogram images from her previous pregnancies. She started giving fake urine tests to prove she was pregnant. And so Hunter Parker, her second husband, got in contact with Wade's younger brother and told him, listen, she cannot have children. She is deceptive. She was deceiving me when I was with her. This is not true. She's not giving you the truth. But it didn't do anything. It's nothing happened. They didn't, they were, she was still involved with Wade. He still was with her. So as time is progressing, she has to give a due date. So she tells her friends and family that she's due September 22nd. Now, that confuses me about the family part. I can see maybe you lied to your friends, but usually family, somebody has an idea that you can't conceive or whatever. I mean, maybe she kept everything a secret, but I, I don't know. But this is what she told everyone. But Wade's mother knew that something wasn't right. And so she thought that maybe it was a lie. And so she felt that maybe she would come about with a new lie and say, you know, fake a miscarriage. And that finally this relationship with her son could end. But instead, Taylor ordered a fake baby belly from Amazon and a fake sonograms. Now, okay, I'm kidding. I don't know if it was Amazon, but she indeed ordered a fake baby belly and fake sonograms. And so now they've been together about a year. So now, you know, maybe that could be why Wade was so invested. Maybe the time passing. So in mid-September, now we're close to the delivery date that she gave. Her first husband, Tommy, anonymously texted Wade multiple times over the course of several days, telling him that Taylor had a hysterectomy and that she was using the sonograms from their older kids for, to, for, to prove that she was pregnant now. And so both of these ex-husbands are trying to warn this family. But instead of Wade running for his life, instead... He took screenshots of the text messages and showed them to Taylor. So, of course, now Taylor, she's that that made her more aggressive. Like she amped up her her tactics, more manipulation. So she started doing online searches after that, seeking out places where pregnant women get together and researching the protocols of giving birth, what happens afterwards at the hospital. And then watching videos of C-sections and just all sorts of stuff surrounding pregnancy and birth. Now, around this time also, she put into play another scheme. So what she did is she called a hog rancher. And she called the hog rancher on the day that she was due to deliver, September 22nd. And she told him that her last name was Griffin. So she went by the name of Taylor Griffin instead of Taylor Parker. She called him to arrange the sale of a trailer full of hogs for a little bit over $6,000. Now, he was concerned because and thought it could be a scam because she didn't understand anything. Like, she didn't know how the licensing or the interstate transfer rules went. So, he refused to do this deal with her. But she texted him back on September 27th, claiming that it was all arranged. But he refused. Remember that part of the story. 
So on September 30th, which by now she should have given birth, she went to a pre-scheduled sonogram at her clinic. And she started crying. And she told the workers there at the sonogram that she needed to reschedule because her husband was in the military and had died and that her mother had canceled on her. So later they saw her sitting on a bench in the parking lot, looking up license plates of expectant mothers entering the clinic. Now, this is when we get into the story of the victim. So Reagan Hancock, knew Taylor because she had been a photographer at their wedding. And so they stayed in contact through Facebook. So Reagan and Taylor had been texting at this point constantly for about a week. And then so Taylor went as far as to give Reagan a gift for her baby. And all of these messages were saved in the Facebook messaging. So everything was known. Now, on October 5th, this is a few days before the encounter, an intentional fire was set at Wade Rippon's home, and that's where he and Taylor lived together. And so it knocked out all the plumbing and power. Now, according to Wade's mother, Taylor was supposed to be induced the following day, but a bomb threat was called into the clinic that day. Now, later on, you'll know, obviously, who the bomb threat was by. But you see that she's setting up all these things. So now there's the fire, and now there's the bomb threat. And so that's because she has to buy time because there is no baby to give birth to. And now she's past her due date. And that's the day also that she's supposed to be induced. So on the morning of October 8th, she was around the area of Reagan Hancock's home and she just sat outside for a long time. Then she went over there later that evening to hang out with her. October 9th, she showed up at the hog farmer's home in Oklahoma, which is several hours away. And she got there at 7.35 a.m. with a trailer full of hogs and fake text messages that he had supposedly agreed to buy them for just over 6000 Now, remember, he said no. She texted him again and then responded as if he had said yes. So she was altering these text messages and also setting up an alibi for timing because that was a few hours away. So at 6.35 a.m., she bought gas, and that was near Reagan's home. And she also shared a short series of text messages with Reagan, and that was between 6.22 a.m. and 6.52 a.m. Now, both of their phones were at Reagan's home at around 9.14 a.m. And it should be known that Reagan's phone was never recovered. Now, at this point, Reagan's husband said that he started getting a series of strange messages from his wife's phone ending at about 8.30 a.m. 
And then he got a Facebook message from a neighbor at around 9.30 a.m. that their dog had escaped. So he kept trying to call Reagan, but she didn't answer. So he started calling other people repeatedly before he left work to check on her. So according to the examiner, the medical examiner, these are the details. Reagan was stabbed and beaten in four or five areas of the home before she eventually died in her own living room. So that's obvious that she was trying to get away. She had extensive defensive wounds on her hands and arms, five skulls fractures, a broken nose, and more than 100 stab wounds. The medical examiner also said that she was likely beaten with both ends of a claw hammer. Also, with a mason jar of pink and blue sand from her own baby's gender reveal party. And then repeatedly stabbed again. Likely with a scalpel that was found inside of her neck during her autopsy. And because her neck was slit, the coroner could not determine whether or not she had been strangled. Because her, you know, it was, a, they couldn't tell her neck was cut. So at some point, Taylor sliced her abdomen from hip to hip and removed her uterus, sliced it open, and removed the baby and the placenta. Now, you'll know why the placenta, which is pretty obvious, but still, you will know in a moment. So now Taylor is trying to get away. She's driving erratically, and so she got pulled over. Now it's about 9.30 a.m. She has this newborn baby in distress on her lap and an umbilical cord protruding from her pants. So she has stuffed it in there to make it look like she gave birth to this baby. So the officer said that eventually after he pulled her over and saw all this chaos, that the placenta fell out as well. So that's why she wanted to look like she had given birth. So that's why she took the placenta. So she had blood all on her hands, her face, her legs, her feet. And so people who had stopped to help, they saw, they noticed that there was no blood on the driver's seat of the car and no blood on the baby, just on her, just on Taylor. And most of the blood on Taylor seemed dry. Now she kept requesting that they take her to a hospital in Oklahoma where she said her doctor was. And I don't know if she had somebody that she was going to pretend at the hospital. I don't know. That seemed crazy, but she's crazy. So, you know, why am I trying to make sense? So, of course, they took her to a closer hospital. Now, first, they tried to do an external exam, but, you know, there's not much you can tell. So they did the internal exam to check for maybe internal bleeding or anything. Well, of course, when they did this exam, there was no uterus and there was no blood in her vaginal canal and there was no presence of a cervix, which is often removed during a hysterectomy. Also, they took a blood test and she had no evidence of pregnancy hormones. But even still, she insisted that she gave birth to this baby. So they did a DNA test. And as we know, it was Reagan Hancock's baby. The baby's name 
was Braxlyn Sage Hancock. And she was small because she was only, Reagan was only 34 weeks alone. And we know Taylor had claimed to be way overdue. She was deprived of oxygen for too long before getting to the hospital. So because of that, she suffered extensive brain damage. And so she had to be taken off of life support and passed away. So this is how, besides the testimony of the medical examiner and the coroner, this is how Reagan's mom found her daughter. So Reagan's mom, her name was Jessica Brooks. And Reagan's husband had, of course, reached out to her mom because he was concerned about his wife, along with anyone that could get to her before him. So at 10.15, Reagan's mom got to her daughter's home to check on her. And at, between that time, her husband was also racing over to get there. But when she gets there, she calls 911 and she's screaming, help me. My daughter's been murdered. There's blood everywhere. Oh, my babies. Oh, my God. And she can be heard asking her husband, her own husband, where was her other grandbaby? Because see, Reagan and her husband had a three-year-old daughter as well. They ended up finding her in the home, unharmed, but she was home. So Reagan's husband finally got there shortly after the police did. Now, this is Taylor's account of events. And of course, she's a liar, so she's going to lie to the end. She says that Reagan started this altercation by pushing her to the ground in the garage and then trying to prevent her from leaving. She said that when she pushed her and they had this altercation, that Reagan was injured. And so that she asked, Taylor to remove the baby from her body on that spot, on the spot, excuse me, so that she can save the baby's life. So she claimed that everything she did was to comply with Reagan's wishes and that Reagan was alive when she left. So basically she's saying that Reagan slit her own throat with a scalpel that was found lodged in her neck as well. Now the doctor said clearly that the pain of a C-section with no anesthesia would be too excruciating for Reagan to have even remained still or conscious. Taylor also claimed that Wade had no idea that she wasn't pregnant. And she also admitted that Reagan's three-year-old had witnessed the scene of her mother's death. I actually believe that Wade might not have been positive because it sounds like all these things that Wade was told, he didn't believe much. He probably at this point suspected some things, but, you know, I, I somehow believe that. I don't know if there was ever any confirmation. So, obviously she went to trial. She was convicted to death, and it only took the jury 90 minutes to deliberate. Now, obviously, we talk about when friends go wrong. 
But Tana Parker was a friend to no one. But she had developed this relationship with Reagan Hancock. And I'm not sure if the timeline in terms of them texting back and forth within a week was their only communication because it sounded more like they kept in contact after she was her photographer and it was possibly longer because she trusted her enough to have her in her home. You know, so it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how long, honestly, because we've read some crimes where people that I've told you already knew each other from childhood, but people often have ill intent. And this is the ultimate disgusting story. You guys, thanks for listening again. Real Not Rude. Check us out, Facebook and Twitter, Real Not Rude. Instagram, Keep It Real Not Rude. Or email us at keepitrealnotrude at gmail.com. Don't forget, also, we're on Amazon Podcast, iHeart Podcast, Amazon Music Podcast, and Audibles. And also, of course, Spotify, Real Not Rude. Be safe. And please, follow, share, like.